Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week Marcella Mulholland, who is a 21-year-old organizer with the Sunrise Movement. Her personal experiences with the impacts of sea level rise in her hometown of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, motivate her to fight for coastal communities everywhere that will be devastated by climate change. She is currently a senior studying political science and sustainability studies at the University of Florida. In addition to being a student, Marcella is an organizer with Divest UF, a group dedicated to financially disentangling the University of Florida from toxic industries including fossil fuels and private prisons. Marcella Mulholland, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thanks so much for having me, David. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, So what has uh, been happening with sea level rise in Fort Lauderdale, Florida? Yeah, so I was born and raised in South Florida, and when I was in high school, my family moved to Fort Lauderdale, which is sometimes um, kind of called the Venice of America, which is, I think, overselling it a bit, but um, it's known for its, like, coastal waterways, and my family lived right on the intercoastal and about two blocks away from the ocean, and um, I started to notice that when we would have rainstorms, or even when it wasn't raining at all, the street in front of my apartment building would flood. And um, also we dealt with hurricanes semi-regularly, and that was something that I just remember being part of life ever since I was a kid um, living in South Florida. That's kind of just how it is. Um, And at the time, I wasn't aware that, like, um, the flooding that I was seeing in my community was um, part of something called global climate change or sea level rise. Um, I just knew that it was, like, a part of my family's life and something my community had to adapt to. Um, sometimes my parents would even have to park the car on higher ground because the, the parking lot of our building would be flooded and local businesses would have to put like sandbags up to stop um, water from going into the businesses. But I, I grew up kind of seeing that happening. And then I went to college and started taking um, sustainability courses and learning about um, mass species extinction, global climate change, sea level rise. And I started to see my um, personal experiences in this global context. And I realized that that, um, the flooding that I saw in my community outside of my apartment building was just really um, a warning sign of of the more drastic changes that were yet to come for coastal South Florida specifically and also um, countless other frontline communities across the world. Um, and scientists predict, I think it's, it's like one out of every eight homes in South Florida will be flooded by the end of the century. And um, coastal communities like Fort Lauderdale could see up to eight feet of flooding by the end of the century, um, which are really kind of staggering numbers to hear. And, um, you know, South Florida is my home. It's where my parents live. It's where I grew up. And um, I'm really called to work in the climate movement um, to fight for the people and places that I love. I'm sure when you saw that flooding in Fort Lauderdale as a kid that the local news reports and public figures uh, completely irresponsibly uh, refrained from any discussion of climate change. Uh, But did they did they talk about it as something new? Were you aware of this as something that was getting worse? Yeah, so it's interesting because. Fort Lauderdale is a frontline community of the climate crisis, but in retrospect, like I'd never really heard anyone um, 
any political leaders or community members talking about climate change or sea level rise in a really urgent manner or at all. Um, and granted, I also wasn't that politically engaged when I lived in the area, but in the times that I've gone back to visit, it just like doesn't feel like that's a topic that's really discussed often, um, which is like wild because it, like it literally is going to might be underwater in a few decades. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to characterize it as completely like no one there is organizing around this issue because I, I'm not that plugged in into politics of South Florida now. I, li- I live in Gainesville, Florida at the moment. Um, but yeah, there definitely wasn't as much conversation around climate change in Fort Lauderdale as I feel that there should have been. I remember coming to college and feeling like really um, angry that I had been alive for like um, 18 years and no one had told me that like my home state was going to like a lot of it was going to be underwater <laughs> by the end of my lifetime. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people are still not telling anyone or are actively denying it. <laughs> um, yeah. What, what, uh, I, I, I have not studied sustainability studies. Uh, what do you learn in sustainability studies and what does it tell you about the likelihood of, uh, of human life being sustainable uh, on this planet? Yeah, so sustainability studies is kind of like a vague term because you can, I mean, you could try to sustain anything, I feel like, um, but we really focus on kind of the social sciences and more spiritual, ethical components of humans' relationship to nature. Um, so I've taken classes, for example, like the politics of sustainability um, global change and ecology, environmental ethics, things like that. So it's less, there's less of an emphasis on, um, kind of the hard scientist, scientist aspect of environmental issues and more of the human, um, like psychological dimension of environmental relations and environmental problems. And what I learned in these classes is that things are not looking good for, uh, humans as a species or the planet in general. Um, I learn a good deal about mass species extinction, um, about climate change, more less like the specifics and like the science aspect of them, but more just like how climate change is going to impact um, people um, and specifically like environmental justice issues as well, that like low income communities of color are going to be disproportionately impacted as well. And um, I've also done a good deal of reflecting in my classes um, on how, like, the ideology of of growth that we have so deeply internalized in the United States and globally about, like, growth and expansion and um, always being inherently good and um, just really realizing that that kind of ideology is inherently in conflict um, with a planet with finite resources um, and kind of digesting what the implications of that are. So you're working on this, Marcella Mulholland, with a uh, an organization, an activist group, the Sunrise Movement. Can you tell listeners what the Sunrise Movement is? Yes, I love Sunrise Movement. So Sunrise Movement is a youth-led contingent of the climate movement fighting to stop climate change and create millions of good jobs in the process. And it was started sometime after the 2016 presidential election. I don't know if you heard, there was a very dramatic presidential election in 2016. Um, And it was founded by a group of young people. All of them were in their 20s, I think. And um, they started Sunrise 
um, because they felt a great um, sense of disillusionment with the way that both major political parties in the United States had failed to really um, propose solutions that meet the scale of the largest existential problem that humanity has ever faced. Um, And the 2016 election kind of really emphasized that. And they created Sunrise in the hope that there were other young people across the country who um, were willing and ready to take more drastic action to stop climate change. And they just needed to be invited into a movement that allowed them to do so. Um, So Sunrise launched and their first main program that they created was called Sunrise Semester. And it was essentially a six month long program that allowed um, young people to um, go all in and volunteer full time on different in different um, politically critical states across the country. So we had um, what we call movement houses um, in Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, New York City, Minnesota. I think those are all of the ones. Um, and we had movement houses in all of those states. And a movement house is essentially like a, a activist hub where like organizers live and work full time and um we had over 60 young people who committed to do sunrise semester and i was one of them and um we worked on helping to elect political leaders who um take climate change seriously and want to propose solutions that meet the scale of the crisis um so that's how i first started working with sunrise i was in orlando florida um trying to elect um political leaders that, you know, see Florida as a frontline community in the climate crisis and want to do something about it. Um, And now I took the fall semester off to do that. And now I'm back in school um, for my spring semester of college. Did you elect any political leaders who take climate change seriously? And have they uh, acted accordingly? Um, David, it's still a sore subject in Florida. Um, unfortunately, uh, the candidates that Sunrise have been endorsed in Florida, um, the, the main ones did not win, and that was, it still stings. Um, but we had some, like, state legislature elections that uh, per, we elected progressive climate champions, um, but for the governorship and the senators, it did not look good. Um, other movement houses had more success. For example, the New York City hub helped um, to elect Ocasio-Cortez and helped her win her primary over the summer. Um, So that was something that the whole fundraising movement was really excited and energized by. Yeah. Uh, And so even though you're busy with school now, and I imagine a lot of uh, people who are in school are, are busy with it, uh, the Sunrise Movement uh, continues and is, is active now? Yes, it's super, super active. They did an action um, a few weeks ago in Mitch McConnell's office in D.C. Um, they've hosted several huge actions since the election. There was one in November that was a few days after the midterms where we um, hosted a sit-in at Nancy Pelosi's office. Um, and I was arrested alongside around 50 other young people who sat in her office demanding that um, the incoming Democratic majority in the House make climate change a top priority and get behind Ocasio-Cortez's resolution for a House Select Committee on the Green New Deal. And that kind of um, sparked a series of actions that happened after um, we had a massive um like Green New Deal teach-in type um, Zoom call. Zoom is just like an online platform for hosting calls with like hundreds of people. And we had Naomi Klein, a really um, 
like excellent ally to Sunrise and a climate journalist on to talk about the Green New Deal and kind of the strategy for how we how we win. So Sunrise is definitely very active. So. Well, congratulations. We're speaking with Marcella Mulholland, who is active with the Sunrise Movement. And congratulations. I think if you haven't been arrested in Nancy Pelosi's office uh, <laughs> at some point in your career, you're doing something wrong. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Have you been arrested in her office? I, uh, I've been arrested... Uh, I, yeah, I, I've I've been arrested in John Conyers' office when he was oh taking orders from her, and I think I've been arrested in her office too. But I, I have to I have to go back oh and God. make sure. But uh, I I, it's I love it. Slightly off topic, but she apparently believes that uh, four years of Donald Trump is is perfectly fine, just like eight years of George W. Bush. Uh, but five years would be a disaster for the Earth, right? You know, so you don't, yeah, it doesn't don't, really make sense. It doesn't make sense to me either. She also called the Green New Deal the Green Dream, which forgive me for trying to dream of a better planet, Nancy. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, I mean, I, presumably you're learning in school that the idea of successfully continuing down the path we are on is is a dream, is a fantasy. Right, right. Yeah, this, it's, it's kind of, I find it ironic when people call like, climate activists radical, um, because actually the status quo that we are continuing to um, advance is has like really radical implication for all of life on earth. So there's not really, there's no non-radical. <laughs> so it's presumably a lot of people have heard about the green new deal, uh, as, as some sort of a dream, as some sort of a crazy fantasy. What, how do you briefly, uh, describe it to people, uh, who, you know, have the misfortune to own televisions? <laughs> Um, so the Green New Deal is a massive social, political, and economic mobilization to stop climate change. And the three main pillars of a Green New Deal Sunrise support um, would be that it would get us to 100% clean energy by 2030. It would include a federal jobs guarantee so that anyone who wants to stop the climate crisis is guaranteed a good job with a fair and livable wage. And um, thirdly, it would ensure a just transition so that communities on the front lines of poverty and pollution are supported through a transition um, toward a renewables-based economy. And what makes the Green New Deal different from any other um, climate legislation that has been proposed previously and why I am so excited about it is that it's the only proposal on the table that actually meets the scale of the crisis and the urgent time frame established by the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which released a, port, a report a few months ago, um, essentially saying that we have um, until 2030 to drastically curb our greenhouse gas emissions. And the Green New Deal um, would is the only policy option on the table that would even attempt to get us to those goals set by the U.N., uh, very well said. And so how do you answer the question that every proponent of the Green New Deal or anything else uh, decent or good in the world is asked uh, second uh -huh. when they appear on CNN or MSNBC? Uh -huh. How do you pay for it? Yeah, so it is a very important question, but I would first um, kind of reframe it by saying that um, the emphasis is only put on cost when we're talking about paying for public services like healthcare, education, or a Green New Deal. 
And um, the media and politicians on the right or the left don't really talk about cost when um, it's about spending um, billions of dollars on war or corporate tax cuts. And um, the thing about the Green New Deal and its cost is that with something like climate change, the implications of asking of not acting are so vast and expensive that um, we would really have a lot of trouble spending enough money on a Green New Deal that would cost us more than climate change is going to cost us if we don't stop it. Um, and the economic implications of climate change are also extremely um, um, important to include in, in the answer to when people ask you how much it costs, because um, the federal government, contrary to um, our president's um, desires, recently released um, a national climate assessment that um, really delved into the how global warming could impact um, U.S. GDP. And one of their predictions was that it could um, cost a total of 10% of U.S. GDP by the end of the century, um, which is, is kind of staggering um, number to hear because it really puts into context just how much money it's going to cost to not deal with climate change. So, um, putting money up front with something like a Green New Deal that would do so much good for people and planet um, really is the economically um, responsible and ethically responsible decision to make. Well, I think it's a very good answer. Uh, I think uh, uh, other proponents of the Green New Deal, including Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, have given on occasion a similar answer. You know, when it's for multi-billion-dollar wars, we're never asked where the money would come from. But yeah. it, but if we look at the text of the of the resolution for the Green New Deal, or at any of the websites promoting the Green New Deal, none of them say pay for it with 3% of the military budget or 10% of the military budget or whatever it would take. Uh, none mm -hmm. of them. Uh, do, do, would you support and does the Sunrise Movement support the idea uh, of of taking money away from the military, but sort of the opposite of what Trump's budget proposal is every year, that is moving money from the military to something good rather than the reverse? Yeah. Um, so as far as I know, Sunrise doesn't have a specific position on exactly how much money we would want to shift around in the um, in the country's budget in terms of like taking money from military or other sources. Um, what I do know is that we um, support like getting our politicians to at least come to the table to work out the details of how to implement something like the Green New Deal. And we really see our role as like mobilizing the millions of people across the country who would benefit from something like a Green New Deal and make sure that they're enthusiastic and vocal in their support. So that politicians who are the ones that are, are tasked with drafting legislation and are the ones that are um, supposed to be the experts on how to implement legislation, they can kind of take over the details of exactly like what budgeting mechanisms need to be used to pay for something like this. Um, and at Sunrise, we're just focused on mobilizing um, the millions of people around the country who would support a Green New Deal, who do support it. Well, I, I, I humbly suggest they might be mobilized uh, better if they knew the money could come out of the military than if uh, they <laughs> heard that evil word taxes that they end up hearing whenever the money isn't mm -hmm. going to come out of the military. But uh, I, I wanted to ask about something else you, you've been working on, which is uh, divestment. Um, what's, yes. what's happening with divestment at the University of Florida? Um, so the University of Florida is supposed to be Florida's flagship university. 
Um, we recently made it to the top 10 rankings of U.S. news, public universities, and our administrators, and are very excited about this achievement. Um, but what people, a lot of people don't know is that U.S. is also a corporation um, and a multi-billion dollar one at that. Um, U.S. is responsible for um, an endowment that is worth over $2 billion, and they invest um, in addition, well, part, okay, first off, they're very, um, like, not transparent about what is going on with this endowment, and it's really difficult for students or professors um, and faculty in general to get information on the endowment because it is run by a separate um, private institution, even though UF is a public institution. We're getting into the weeds, but basically they handle their endowment in a, in a very ethically questionable way. And part of this endowment is invested in industries like um, private prisons, fossil fuels, and other toxic industries. And Divest UF is a student organization that is leading the charge to get UF to financially disentangle from toxic industries, um, specifically in regards to its endowment. So one of the main campaigns that we have going right now is um, talking to administrators and building support amongst the student body and faculty to get UF to divest its endowment completely from fossil fuels. And we've had um, a few meetings with administrators and they kind of uh, let it slip that uh, 3% of the endowment is invested in oil and gas, um, which 3% sounds small, but that's actually like tens of millions of dollars when it's um, 10% or 3% of 2 billion. Um, and that's just oil and gas. So we know that U.S. is um, supporting the fossil fuel companies that are profiting off the destruction of our planet. Um, they're supporting them by tens of millions of dollars. And interestingly, um, I think U.S., um, through its own words and mission statement, makes the best argument for divestment, it makes a better argument than, than I ever could, um, because their mission statement um, directly says that they're interested in advancing research, education, and other things. And then the last line is, um, to shape a better future for Florida, the nation, and the world. Um, so it's clear in their mission statement that they are not um, an institution that should be dedicated to maximizing um, profits from its endowment. They're an institution that is dedicated to shaping a better future for not just the world, but Florida specifically. Florida um, is, like we were speaking about um, at the beginning of our conversation, a state that has so much to lose from climate change and for the University of Florida to be so irresponsible and um, really making the morally egregious decision to invest in fossil fuels um, is a problem. And at Divest UF, we are working to expose this problem and um, hopefully solve it. Well, I, I hope you do. I, I would be surprised if they didn't have money in gun makers and weapons dealers as well. And you, you mentioned yeah. private prisons. Do they have money in private prisons? Um, so it's un. We don't have specific details about like which companies are invested in or how much money because they have been so. Um, there's been a lack of transparency regarding the endowment. But in Florida, private prisons are a big business, so we are pretty sure that um, they are also investing in those. We've got just a, a few minutes left, Marcella Mulholland. What what can people do who want to get involved in climate activism with the Sunrise Movement or otherwise? Uh, what should people be learning? Where should they be going to uh, to sign up and and get engaged? Yeah. So um, Sunrise Movement recently announced that they're starting a Green New Deal national tour. 
and they'll be going to over a dozen cities across the country, really um, working to bring the message of the Green New Deal outside of Washington and into the communities um, across this country that really stand to gain a lot from a Green New Deal passing. Um, and you can find more information about this tour on, at sunrisemovement.org. It's spelled sunrise and then movement, how you think it's spelled. There's no fancy wording. Um, so sunrisemovement.org, and you can follow our social medias and um, also potentially sign up to host the town hall in your own community um, about the Green New Deal. I'm helping to organize one of those here in Gainesville, and um, that would be a great way to get involved and, and really spread the word about the Green New Deal so we can be in a good position to win and pass this thing. Um, and also just, yeah, like I said, following our social media is a great way to keep up to date. They're always um, throwing together actions like left and right. Um, so I, I also keep up on social media and also I would just give a quick plug. Divest US makes really good memes about um, climate change and just like this crazy political time we live in. So if you want to give Divest US a follow on Facebook too, um, you might be amused by some of our stuff. Uh, it sounds very good. Uh, and Gainesville has a lot of great uh, activists. If you're not in touch with the uh, Veterans for Peace uh, chapter down there, um, I can put you in touch and I'm sure they would love to, to help with uh, with any events. Um, if just uh, one minute left, uh, Marcella Mulholland, will you be uh, will you be part of uh, of the tour or will you will you be continuing with Sunrise Movement uh, after you get out of college? Um, so I will not be, I haven't been helping plan the tour. I will be hosting a town hall in Gainesville, but I'm limited in how I can contribute to the national stuff that's going on because I am in school um, and I'll be graduating this summer and I am planning on continuing to work with Sunrise leading up um, until the 2020 elections um, in whatever capacity works out for both of us. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that. And just last thing I would say, if there's anyone um, listening to this interview who um, feels a great deal, like sense of despair or hopelessness around climate change or feels overwhelmed about it, I would tell you that you are not the only one. And there are other young people across the country and the world who share your sense of grief and who are working to do something about it. And I would love to have you in the movement and work alongside you. So I encourage you to get involved, too. Good advice. Tell tell everybody the website one more time. Sunrisemovement.org. Marcella Mulholland is uh, an organizer with the Sunrise Movement. She's in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, at the University of Florida. Marcella, thank you very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you so much, David. It was a pleasure. Now, here's a public service announcement. On April the 4th, NATO, the biggest military alliance in the world, will be meeting and celebrating its birthday in Washington, D.C., and in the days preceding April 4th, the head of NATO will be meeting with the White House and with Congress. This is an organization that has decided to add yet another country on the border of Russia to its membership, Georgia. April 4th is a day that ought to belong to the memory of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who gave his speech at Riverside Church against the 
war on Vietnam on April 4th and was assassinated exactly one year later. If you go to notonato.org, you will find all kinds of information, a huge series of events happening in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere around the United States and the world. Uh, you can find events that will be live streamed that you can watch from home, that you can endorse, that you can sponsor, uh, and ways to participate uh, locally and by coming to Washington, D.C. to join in a No to NATO, Yes to Peace festival. We've got incredible speakers, comedians, uh, facilitators of art creation, nonviolent activist trainers, all sorts of information and activities. No to NATO.org. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.